Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Subtle Asian Talks. We're just three Asian American women ready to talk topics from current events, pop culture, and college life. I'm your host, Cece. Hi, I'm Kilo. And I'm Nell. Okay, so for today's current events, it's really with a heavy heart for me to announce that on September 18th, which is three days ago as of right now of this recording, uh, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away at the age of 87 from complications of pancreatic cancer. And as I'm sure many of you know, it's been a long battle for her dealing with her health complications and holding on as long as she can until the installation of a new president. But sadly, she didn't make it that far. And it's really a big loss for the United States as a whole. And a lot of uncertainty has really been brought forward in terms mm-hmm. of the future of this country. And I just want to like take a moment to like recognize her impact on this country and um, appreciate all her accomplishments throughout her lifelong career because they're numerous. And to just kind of give everybody a summary, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, also known as RBG, is most known for being appointed as a Supreme Court Justice by President Clinton in 1993. And she was the second woman to be appointed to the court. And personally, like I don't really see her as much of a revolutionary. And she definitely did work within the system. But to that degree, I would say like, you know, but through working within the system, she did her best to really advocate and protect civil liberties in multiple ways. And that includes fighting against workplace discrimination, advocating for women's financial independence, helping to legalize same-sex marriage, protection of the right to a safe abortion, and many more. And, you know, for me, I think she inspires me a lot in many ways. And she obviously has inspired many women and has become kind of an icon in American politics and um, the legal system. So for me, why I kind of admire her because I can kind of relate to her and her demeanor because she, if you've seen her, she's a very like small frame, very soft-spoken woman. And that's especially so uh, as she aged and became even more frail due to her illnesses. And despite all of that, she was able to command such a strong following and maintain a position of leadership in a male-dominated field and just inspired basically a generation of women in this country. And for that, I would say it really offers like a different perspective in leadership because I think a lot of women are told like they need to like quote, behave like men in order to reach positions of power. And it's just like, in order to like make it in like the boys club or whatever, you need to assert yourself and kind of take over those kind of like stereotypical masculine traits. And I think her more steady and measured approach to her leadership and her demeanor kind of shows us that, you know, you don't have to like change yourself in order to be a leader there's multiple ways and multiple models of leadership and commanding a quiet and powerful presence is equally, if not more impressive to me than, you know, having such a loud and commanding one. So I think for me, that's what um, speaks to me as much in terms of her personality and her career. So I just wanted to give you guys, you know, time to express maybe your reactions, your thoughts, anything 
you're feeling in regards to this news? I want to say with, um, I like wholeheartedly agree with your statement about like the commanding of presence and being such a small yet impactful. I'm not too sure if this was a statement that she made or it was made about her, but the quote goes like, not fragile like a flower, but fragile like a bomb. And I'm like, snaps. I feel that. That's such a powerful statement. And I, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a statement that really carries with me for some reason. And like the fact that Ruth Gin, uh, Bader Ginsburg was able to accomplish this much as being a woman of um, in the justice system is pretty in- incredible. And yeah, just claps, snaps to that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I really, I guess, commend her for sticking through all the adversities she's faced, especially at age 87. And being in, you know, the Supreme Court justice system, um, that would have, you know, eliminated a couple years, but she stuck through it with everything that she's went through and I think that what saddens me the most is that you know she tried her best to wait it out until you know the 2020 elections um and I guess I remember I remember like I read somewhere where it was like her last like die not dying wish but like her last wish was to you know see a like see a different president um and I just wish that she could have, um, but I know she must have endured so much pain and, you know, she's hopefully, you know, in peace now. Um, But the impact she's made in not only just like the Supreme Court justice system, but also just in life in general, just kind of, you know, paves the way for other people to, I guess, um, as what Cece and Kilo said, you know, take action and like you know you don't have to have a super loud voice to like gain respect you know she paved that way for women in you know um political i guess justice systems and stuff like that but yeah that's my thoughts Mm -hmm. yeah and like kind of going off what both of y'all said it's just like you know as much as i wish we could just like send our condolences to the people that knew and admired her and do all that it's just like we live in a government in which like the death of one leader brings a lot of important things in terms of our civil liberties into question and it's like very sad that's like oh yeah we can't just like mourn the loss of Ruth Bader Ginsburg we have to think about like oh what happens now that we've lost her and what is like the future for things in this country especially like with the Affordable Care Act workplace equality reproductive rights LGBTQ plus rights and more so it's just like it almost feels like insensitive almost because it's like you want to honor and let her rest in peace but then like her loss has such huge ramifications on the future of this country and it's like we can't discuss like the the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg without talking about where do we go from here so I'm kind Mm -hmm. of going to get into like what the future of the Supreme Court looks like now that she is gone and what we can do in terms of supporting the cause of waiting for a new Supreme Court justice nominee when the next term of presidency has started. And just to like have a disclaimer, this is like a rapidly developing story, like shit's probably gonna go down 
in the Senate in the next couple weeks. And it's probably going to be crazy. So things are going to likely change by the time this episode is released. So I'm just going to report and talk on what we know right now. So in terms of like the Supreme Court vacancy and what's really at stake, like Nell said, um, it really was her dying wish was like her seat would not be filled until there's a new president installed, which is like really sad. Like even when you're dying, you think about like the weight that you've been carrying, like the loss of your life would cause on the country, right? Because it's just like, she can't even just worry about like, oh, her family and like the people that were close to her. She has to think about what happens to me when I die and what's the fate of this country, which I think is really um, heavy to think about. It's just like, oh, she carried so much weight on her shoulders and a lot of people are really holding on to her to really preserve herself until the end of the presidency. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's almost kind of dehumanizing to think about because when somebody carries so much weight on their shoulders and there's going to be so much possible change, um, you almost stop thinking of her as like a person and more so like somebody that will like, we need to like push the rights of the American people, which is like kind of awful to think about, but it's also very important. So basically two hours after her death, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, a.k.a for me, the evil turtle man, (laughs) has announced that the Senate will be voting on a new justice before the 2020 election. And it's kind of like unlikely to happen because, you know, these proceedings usually take a while. But um, as we know, the Republican Party will try to push that anyway. Mm -hmm. And this is like an especially hypocritical move considering Mitch McConnell rejected President Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland in 2016. And that was when Obama had 11 months left in office compared to the where at the time we're recording this, 43 days left until the next presidential election. But, you know, obviously it's not like morals matter with the evil turtle man anyway. But um, I think it's important to point out that the Republican Party was pushing against Obama's ability to nominate a Supreme Court justice when there was like several months out until the end of the his term. Whereas with Donald Trump, it's literally a month and just a few weeks. That's so, insane. Yeah, it's like, really crazy. They don't care about h- hypocrisy. No, it's it's like so rid- it's like blaring. It's in your face that it's such a hypocritical move. I'm sure Obama's seething right now. Like he's like, what the frick? And I don't know. Oh man, it's just the justice system is not really about justice. It's really it's the definition of politics as how we use it because it's freaking it's freaking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's mainly because they know that like there is a possibility of you know um, not a reelection, like not a reelection term, um, as they say? So that's why they're so aggressively pushing for a replacement or do you think like they're trying to cover all their bases basically i mean i think regardless you know either either party i don't know they're gonna have to push their interests yeah as hard as they can so they're gonna preserve their party and their party's agenda as much as they can mm-hmm. so like you know they rather push a supreme court nominee before this elect before the next election in order Mm -hmm. to like you know cover all their bases and make sure that they have one 
And, you know, as you guys know, or maybe if you don't know, if you're not familiar with the American governmental system, it's just like our president doesn't really have as much weight on like changing the course of politics in the sense that their terms are only four years and at max they can serve two terms. So that's eight years. Whereas Supreme Court, nom- like Supreme Court justices who are nominated by the president serve for their lifetime. So basically, when the president can nominate a Supreme Court justice, that is like a massive impact on the future of the country for decades to come. So that's why this is such a contentious battle in our American government system, because what happens in terms of this will determine the future of the country for decades to come. And just to kind of inform you guys further on this topic, in order for the Senate to kind of go against this nomination, at least four Republican senators have to vote against the new nominee. And there's like a couple like Susan Collins, Mitch, Mitt Romney that are maybe considered that they might be in support of blocking the, the new nominee, but um, it really is kind of a crapshoot, like we really don't know. So I really do urge people who particularly live in a state with a Republican senator to contact them and strongly urge them to vote against Trump's nomination. Because I feel like aside, like, you know, bipartisanship aside, it's really about the democracy of this country. And if they determine that it's not democratic for the president to nominate a Supreme Court justice within the year before an election that should be applied throughout, regardless of how you feel in terms of which party you align with. So I think that it's important to protect um, the democracy of the people in that way. But unfortunately, we live in a bipartisan country and our leaders are going to probably push for whichever side they're on and they kind of value party over country. I agree. Like it's... Mm -hmm. Even if you stick with, like, I know hardcore liberals, hardcore Democrats, but if you value the truth and fairness to the extent that you think this country should be doing, voting against this nomination makes the most sense, even if you're a Republican, because you are following the rules of fairness, because we weren't able, by we, like, the country wasn't able to vote in another person a year prior with uh, Obama's administration. So... Yes, I totally agree with you, Cece. It's a very valid point. Mm -hmm. I think for sure. um, Like, if I I remember I talked about um, this with Cece. I don't know if she remembers, but I know prior to, you know, um, politics, when I first met Cece, I kind of like, you know, I knew a lot of people that like, even though some of the policies that like they, like, let's say they're, a democratic like they're very liberal um and but they don't believe in like certain policies um with the democratic party they're still like you know i i i'm just gonna vote for them but you're against their policies i think it's important to like i guess think about what's best for the country and make that decision and like you know be able to separate that um amongst two th- like two different things mm-hmm. yeah and Um, I will say, I do know, like, you know, my views on um, electoral politics and voting has kind of changed drastically within the past few years. And like, I'll admit, I've become pretty disillusioned about the power of voting. 
and um, all of that because, you know, in the end, like voting, we're kind of limited to two, two candidates that we might not be happy with. And we feel like we feel pressured to vote for either of them, even if they don't align with their values. And that's very disappointing to me. And I really do wish we have a system in which we have candidates that have the possibility to win that genuinely represent the majority of what the people want. Uh, but sadly, the way things are right now, um, those are the things we're confronted with. And I, I would like to encourage, even though people may be disillusioned with the voting system, that they still do vote. And even though voting is at least how I see it, only one piece in the part of like political involvement, it's still an important one. And, you know, with voter suppression, why would voter suppression be such a thing if our vote didn't matter is something that I think is very important to recognize because um, the way governments kind of block marginalized communities from voting kind of shows like there is power in voting and it is important that we still do it as much as we might not be happy with the choices and i don't want to pressure people into voting but i would like to have people think at with the bigger picture and even though we might not get all of the things that we want um a lot is at stake and even more so with the loss of ruth bader ginsburg just a lot is at stake in terms of like the rights of people and even though it's not 100 percent ideally what we want uh, we want to protect that the rights that we currently have so with that i really want to encourage our our listeners in the u.s to vote and with that to check your voter registration status make a game plan to vote and encourage your friends and family to do the same and if you do want to go the extra mile and get more involved there's um ability to volunteer as a poll worker so if you're young and healthy and you feel like you want to do that volunteer as a poll worker so that's kind of like my agenda in terms of like what you can do because I know it's like easy especially nowadays to feel immense despair and feeling like it's the end of the world but um there are small things we can do and even if electoral politics may not be ideal there we still have at least some power in that sense to make our voices be heard Nicely, nicely said. I agree. Both that was great. Again. Mm-hmm. I have like a random question though. When you mentioned that, like, okay, I'm not super involved in politics, but in terms of like how, like the, the very nuances. So if you, let's say we in California, um, we've, uh, what do you call it? We call up and we're like, hey, don't have this nomination go through and they're Republican, our senators were Republican. Would all the other Republican senators look at California senators as sus or like what would happen? Like, is there anything about that or would they block their, I don't know, whatever they want to do or something like that? I'm not sure what the question is. <laughs> to me. Like, is, is there, is there like, um, so you know how we want to convert like four Republican senators to again, to go against the new nominee and then it would stop this whole um new nomination in its tracks mm-hmm. what if they do go against the new nominee what will the other republican senators do like in in the most uh immaturish sense of, of speaking like do they just talk shit about the ones that 
went against the nomination or like, do they, um, I don't know, do they just not, do they just not care about the, the ones that uh, went against the number or I don't know. Does that kind of make sense? Like, I think I, 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 I understand what you're asking. I think you're asking like, oh yeah, what are the ramifications for the Republican senators who do vote against the nominee in terms of like relations in the Senate? Yes. Okay. That sounds so, so much better than what I said, but yes, thank you for getting it. Yeah. I think that's like what makes it tricky because, you know, a lot of these senators are up for re-election, so they want to preserve their reputation amongst their constituents in terms of like getting reelected, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of them, despite how they feel about the fairness of it all, they might vote for the nominee just to preserve their eligibility to win a Senate spot. So that's where it's tricky. And like I said, there are some senators that tend to not strictly vote Republican. So like people are banking on those people to mm, not I vote. See for the nominee so yes it will maybe have negative reputation on their part if they do vote against it which is why it's so tricky because um there's so much pressure to preserve their reputation and protect their ability for re-election so yeah that's Thanks. why it, it sucks a lot because people care more about their political careers and the long-term benefits for the country that makes a lot of sense. That's true. Like, gotta take one for the team and, like, go. Because, yeah, nominating a justice in that incorrectly for a good amount of years is critical for the United States. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important because, like, right now we have a Republican majority in the Supreme Court. So, you know, whether I agree with the Republicans or not, but I think due to the construction of the way this country is, I think it would be, you know, only fair to have a more equal representation in the Supreme Court. Because if the court becomes further to the right and further more conservative, it's just going to have, you know, for me, be a shit show in terms of the future of this country. And a lot is at stake in terms of millions of people having access to health care and um, protecting Roe v. Wade and having safe abortions across the country and just multiple things like that. So I think it's just like fair due to like the construction of the way the Supreme Court is for it to be a fair and accurate representation of both parties. Yep, I, I totally agree. Even it it's supposed to be based on, you gotta have the way I see it, it seems like we're playing like a, let's see, a basketball game of 7v3 right now. And it's just not fair. We got to throw some some of the other, the players that have seven, the team that has seven players onto the other side to make it even. Because mm -hmm. who wants to win a game where the other side doesn't even have a chance to begin with? That's the way I see it. Okay. <laughs> I feel like it, even I feel like some people find joy in that. Like because there's no competition, that's that's the thrill of it, you know. But, there is no you know, thrill. Have you seen all of the animes? There's has to be an arc, you know? If they always win, no one wants to see that. We got to see like the whole This is going off a huge tangent. 
But what I'm saying is that there's got to be even representation. And the fact that there isn't is concerning. That's the bottom line. See, other people would beg to differ. They'd be like, oh, um, it's an easy win for them at that point. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, I don't know, I feel like the Democratic Party kind of has a history of holding back. And I feel like it hasn't really been helpful for their side. Because, Mm -hmm. like, the Republicans play so fucking dirty. So it's just, like, for me, it's just, like, at what point do we just, like, is it unfair? As, like, you know, Michelle Obama says, when they go low, we go high. But Mm -hmm. part of me is kind of, like, I mean, for what? for why (laughs) Um, it's so true maybe we need to start stepping up more and by we i mean the democratic party i don't really consider myself as part of that we but um the democratic party definitely needs to step up in that regard i think and take a stronger stance for their own agendas i agree that was a great discussion on it thank you for bringing that up Mm-hmm. So we'll keep you guys updated with the elections because it's been very contentious and there's a lot going on. <laughs> twenty twenty just keeps getting better, y'all. Yeah. Just, you know, we keep getting thrown. <laughs> it's just like there's too many shots, and I don't know if we can take any more. I agree. Honestly, as we approach November, it's gonna be more and more intense. Like mm-hmm. we'll see if Christmas is gonna be even, or the month of winter break is even going to be fun to just be another potato but that's well, uh, another conversation the question is will we even laugh in christmas i don't know <laughs> true like at this point mm. it's a hot take on it all in itself <laughs> for but, sure the future yeah we'll find out what happens in the next couple weeks but until then like i said make sure you register to vote Make sure you get all your friends and family to vote and do all of that. So as much as I'm like, uh, the electoral system sucks, there's a lot at stake with this election. So I am I want to encourage everybody to get on get up and vote. Yes. I agree. Anyway, are we ready to jump into some Reddit? Yeah. Um much uh much that i binge a lot on but you know here we go so am i the asshole for having my husband out of the delivering room when he brought his mother instead of mine so the take is is that um what happened was a few months or a few weeks ago she delivered to her son but they had an agreement that the husband would be by the wife's side but when the moment arrives, she the uh, the wife was all of, all of a sudden like, "Yeah, wait, I want my mom by my side. Actually, can you can you for sure bring her over?" And the husband's like, "Chill, let me make that happen." But um, the mother is like a professor or a teacher of some sort, so she wasn't able to come. At least that's what the husband was explaining to her. So instead, he thought that as compensation, he could just bring her his mother and. That would work as well, but in, um, the wife just got really angry and started wailing uncontrollably, crying for her own mother instead. So the nurses ended up removing the husband, and she literally had no family by her throughout the whole birthing process. 
And she really just continued to cry until um, her own mother actually appeared. And there was like a mix up apparently where the husband, when talking to her mother, the husband actually did not call the mother, but instead left a message and like didn't really see it until afterwards. So um, she knows that it's embarrassed. She feels that it's extremely embarrassing to have cried like that and everything. And she feels really bad that everyone had to be there in that whole exchange. But um, he expresses his disappointment and she, she feels angry that um, there wasn't really an effort made, but instead felt that uh, there's some betrayal of some sort. Um, she just feels, she doesn't know how to feel exactly, but she just, feel, she just feels betrayed by her own husband. And she's wondering if she's the asshole or if they both are or what's up. It's an interesting situation, I want to say. What do y'all think? I guess my general thoughts is that, I mean, she's in labor. So, I mean, I really can't blame any actions on her part in terms of how she's going to react emotionally. And I feel like when... When there's a person in labor, it's the responsibility of their partner or spouse, whatever title that person has, to kind of be the sane one, to kind of keep things going and respect the wishes of the person in labor because, you know, they're going to be in a high pressure situation and they need that support person to kind of get the things that they want in order in terms of like getting her mom there and all of that. So, I don't really think she's the asshole in this situation. And it's like very few people, especially like cis men can relate to the experience of labor. So um, I don't blame her for reacting how she did because it's a very high pressure, painful scenario to go through. And you're not always going to be in the right like level-headed mindset that you would normally be in and it's the responsibility of your partner to you know help calm you down and help get all the things you want in terms of having a happy and safe labor I think I don't know I personally I don't know if this was discussed prior to the birthing um but the fact that he brought his own mother I feel like it's neighbor and he brought his own mother I would be also mad because like you know I don't want to say like there's mother bias or whatever but like I'm more I guess open to letting my mom I don't know see the birthing process rather than like my mother-in-law as well I mean you're supposed to be really close with your mother-in-law as well but I feel like in that situation that vulnerability you're feeling as a pregnant woman birthing a child like you want someone that's been there with you um and you're comfortable with whether that be your mom your dad your significant other whoever it may be it could be your best friend for all I know um but I think like you need someone that you feel comfortable with and I feel like if I were in her situation I might be comfortable with my mother-in-law but not that comfortable to see let her see like the birthing process you know because that's a whole that's a whole different region down there um especially with like the child and stuff like that so I I think that she's you know not um 
the culprit here. I don't know. She's not the rude one in this situation. The husband's kind of dumb because you had one job, dude. Um, and you screwed that up as well. So, right? That's my, mm-hmm. that's my take. Like, you had one job, dude. All she wanted was to see her own mother. But you messed that up. Now she's going to be grumpy and, you know, she's birthing your child. The least you could do is call mom, your own mom. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting because um, Reddit is primarily a, I want to say, um, male. Male yeah. identifying, at least, or it leans towards that way. And a lot of them were saying, yeah, not the assholes. Um, so if you can convince the the cis men, as we were speaking of them, that dude, yeah, that dude was, in, was the asshole, you can kind of see it a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not too much to ask. And he probably didn't try as hard as he could have. Because, like, mm-hmm. oh, her mom was in a lecture. Like, I feel like if he said, like, stop everything, she's in labor, you gotta go, you know, she would be there. So I feel like he didn't really step up to the plate like he should have. And it's kind of your <laughs> responsibility as the partner of somebody going through labor to kind of be that person's rock and be their support during that time. So, yeah, it's, I don't know if he's like the asshole, but he definitely fucked up and, um, it's just like it's a really sucky situation that she ended up not having any loved ones with her during that time due to everything that happened in that situation. Yeah, I feel like this dude was like, my wife requested a mother. I don't think I can get her, so mine would be the next best thing. So but he even went on the street, and he was like, "Are there any moms here?" <laughs> the first one. <laughs> Legit, I feel so bad, but like that's what it seems like went in his head. He's like, "Okay, does does this person fit the quote unquote mother?" Okay, we'll bring that person in. I'm sure they're vetted, and we'll we'll see to it. Whew, this guy, like she's in labor. She won't see. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, it, like in his brain it was just like need a mom <laughs> that was that was what happened that's what he executed <laughs> at, least he, at least he brought a mom but also i was gonna say another example of men disappointing wait know. do you think that maybe he was scared and he was nervous so he's like i'm gonna get my mom <laughs> you know that's I, possibly it too that is true. I don't know. Yeah, He's like, I I'm scared. Like- Let me get my mommy. <laughs> Maybe he was like, I don't know what to do as a husband. Because I feel like when you're, I don't know, I don't know the procedures of what happens in a, uh, what is it called? A birthing room? I don't mm-hmm. even know. Um, Maybe, you know, some guys feel uh influx of emotions when, you know, their wife is giving birth because they're like, that's my child in there. Like, is she okay? Like, what's happening? But um, maybe he needed comfort. So his only reason was to call his mom, you know? Mm-hmm. That's possible too, yeah. I've, this question really prompted me to think, if you were to have a child, would you have anybody in the delivery room? Or yeah. in waiting room? Not my husband though. Not no. in the delivery room? No, he would piss me off. <laughs> no. <laughs> interesting I feel like I would just be like this like I would literally scream in his face and be like yo like why'd you do this to me (laughs) um you mean 
get you pregnant it takes two to tangle but like the i don't know the feeling of birthing but i would assume when i'm screaming as the baby is coming out this is very explicit i apologize to our listeners um that like you're just gonna get mad at everything like you're just gonna you know curse all around because of the pain um and just looking at my significant other's face would probably trigger me (laughs) you're like nine months in why the frick did you do this get it out (laughs) yeah i'll literally yeah it would be really bad i don't know who i would bring into the room though to be honest maybe my mother if he pulled a stunt and pulled his mother, I would feel I would be more pissed. Mm. Maybe my own mother, maybe. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah, I'm not. I it's it's a long way there. If I guess I would have my significant other, but even then, the the thought of me giving birth just sounds so foreign to me. Like that baby would be in myself, so. I'm probably not ready to to give that birth out. (laughs) Kilo, I can't imagine you pregnant because you're so petite, dude. Like, (laughs) bro. (laughs) I would legit look like I'm carrying a watermelon all the time just for shits and giggles. Petite individuals kind of have, like, the biggest babies. (laughs) They really just suck. Everything I feel out like of they push out like huge babies. I feel like that's the trend, unfortunately. The trend? Yeah, I feel like. Is it a trend? Yeah, I feel like I tend to. It tends to be like, oh yeah, really petite people give birth to big babies. You know, actually, now that I think of. No, wait, I don't know. But there's like. I remember reading about this theory for actual evolutionary trait where since we have medical interventions of pregnancy the hips of women get uh or it, it gets thinner shorter not as wide so um even when we give birth we go through c-sections and stuff so women tend to have if they were to they would still exist and not die in that process they would have the um thinner hips so i guess i don't know if that's that's something along the same line of i don't know what you're thinking of i just thought of that where and they might look more the baby might look more bigger or more big because the, the person just is tinier because of the evolution mm. interesting all i know is that apparently if you got big hips it's going to be easy for you to pop out the child you so I, r.i.p r.i.p cc because her hips are pretty pretty like i guess you would say snatched as they say. There's a thing like snatched hips. <laughs> That's not what people want. <laughs> Ideally. People don't want snatched hips? I, they want a snatched waist, but they want curvy hips. Isn't that the slim thick trend right now? Oh, I thought, oh. It was, I, would, I thought you can have snatched hips. Like No, because people like... The hourglass? Yeah, hourglass. So your waist is snatched, but your hips are wide. Oh, okay. That wasn't clear. Okay. Yeah, I don't Never know. I wouldn't that. say I have excessively narrow hips, but I guess now tends to think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But Cece is also very petite, so I can't imagine her carrying a child either. I mean, I don't think I ever will, so. 
Facts. But I do think I would want my own mother there, and ideally my partner. And if my partner, do you want your father there too, or uh, my my father? He could be in the waiting room. <laughs> I feel that, dude. Um, but I think what about I'd your want my partner mother? there for sure. You would because, want your partner there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it depends on our dynamic. But say if they were a man, I would want them to be present just so they know. Because I feel like okay. there used to be a trend, like back in the olden days, it's like. Oh yeah, the man was had zero part in the labor process, and they just chilled, and then they see, oh, a baby. So they don't really see the pain and labor that goes through having a child. So I feel like they they have to be there for all the chaos. So, so you they, want him to cut the umbilical cord? Sure, if they want to. Because I know there's a trend um, where the doctor will hand the significant other the cord so that they can like contribute to the birthing process (laughs) yeah so i feel like not for the sense like yeah but then i might yell at them but that's just part of the process um they're just gonna have to deal with it but i would want them there in order to appreciate the birthing process and all that goes into it i think makes sense i i agree with that you're like nah this took way more effort than you think just waiting two hours in the waiting room and then out comes a baby yeah. it doesn't sit right with me that men get a chill and maybe play games on their phone and then they, they come <laughs> out like a couple hours later and there's a baby here that's what i was thinking i was like that doesn't sit right with me yeah i was like your ego is kind of sh- like it's like oh you're like nah you wouldn't about to have it that easy dude yeah that that's that's the thing for me it's like you gotta be part of the experience they out here thinking it's sims they're like wife birth go to hospital wait two hours ah my baby yeah i don't like that you gotta be part of the chaos i agree if anything i think it would be i would not want to push that that thing out of my system it's gonna be just cut and ripped out of me that's that's the way to go that sounds painful are you kidding i'd rather have that crazy we could just have intestines rolling around. Yeah, That's you want fine. your intestines out on the table? Yeah, they literally like, like grab it like us, <laughs> like meat. You know? Mm-hmm. Did you just say meat? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a butcher shop in there. It really is <laughs> because they gotta move all your intestines and organs all around, and then they're like, "Baby," and then suddenly you know they gotta reorganize everything and like if they don't organize it correctly you got you got some problems there but then like also which i do recommend everybody read the vagina bible by dr jennifer (laughs) um i was like reading up on the different degrees of vaginal tears and like that does not sound pleasant either yes um Mm. because it's like oh basically like the degrees in which it reaches your butthole (laughs) Um, so that doesn't sound pleasant either. So all around, it sounds like an unpleasant experience for me. And I don't even know if I'd want to go through that. Right. Oh my God. I think I, this prompted what I was thinking. This, um, because like, there's some people, you know how they just go like randomly. Oh yeah. Do you want kids? And I'm like, "Mm, probably not. And they're like, "Mm, you'll change your mind. I'm like, "Mm, do I want? my vagina to tear into one big huge fucking hole like down there i'm like that's a that's a hard that's a hard no you can have a surrogate right i don't even know if you know what i'm thinking of being a surrogate for someone really because 
you have to give birth. Okay, see, I didn't really think about that. All I see are those Facebook ads of looking for Asian women, their eggs. And I'm just like, what is going on? Oh, yeah, it's there's like, like a need for uh, Asian egg donors for some reason. There's a high demand yeah. for that. But you, know you could maybe means. donate your eggs, but maybe not be a surrogate. Oh, yes, that's what I mean. I would donate my eggs possibly, but not, not be a surrogate. I don't think I fit the quote. Yeah, I would like want my genes to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm being honest. Like eugenics is not my like. I don't win in that, dude. Because like honestly, I'm like short and dumb, so it's just like, do they want that? But like, they don't gotta know that. They have. Yeah, they do. They they know your education level, your height, your weight, your eye color, any health conditions. You gotta list all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but like, if it's all on the paper, just be like, I graduated from here. I'm, you know, do they make an IQ test? Because I hear sometimes they list your IQ. I know. I I know. Okay, not gonna lie. Um, I heard that they ask you for your GPA if you went to college. So what the heck? Yeah. I, Y'all. I took a class on this. It was very interesting because they like gave us like examples and then they're like, you want a college graduate? Okay. And then it's like, what, like how much of a scholar, like magnet. Yeah, they want like a scholar, but also athletic. Yeah. So they, they're physically fit. <laughs> that's, that's too much. Never mind. Well, we'll, we'll put that on the back burner. I mean, maybe if you want to make some money. How much is it? If I remember correctly, it was like 15K or I don't know. For you to, how how much would it be? Probably 50 minimum, 50, 50K, 50, 50 to 100. K? Dang. Not saying like I got good eggs or anything, but like <laughs> the process of taking out an egg, like a fertilized egg, that's like, that's going to sound painful, dude. That's true. Would you ever have them um, frozen? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I still don't understand the concept of it because hypothetically, you're freezing them. So like, would they be cold when it's going back into your body? That's your concern? <laughs> it's I'd not like if they're they still functional? Get, your child would get bullied because I feel like people get bullied if they're they're they were born from a frozen egg because they'll get bullied for being like a quote test tube baby oh really but how would they know if they're frozen i don't know but i would watch tv shows and then the kid would get bullied if they were a quote test tube baby well how would anyone know if they're a test tube baby i don't know they'll be like oh you're messed up because you were a frozen egg (laughs) did they have a stamp on the back of their head i don't know i don't know but the bullies had that information (laughs) Oh my gosh, wait, what TV show is this? I don't remember, but I feel like it's been brought up on more than one. Interesting. Or get me to know for being babies. I feel like you would, you would be on a different elite class if you're a test tube baby, because like, IVF is a common thing. It's like know? Gattaca. Yeah, yeah, oh. So like, wouldn't <laughs> only rich people be able to afford IVF? Yeah. Yeah, um, Test tube babies are the rich ones out here in the society. Yeah, but I guess the the bullying comes from being uh, created via unconventional means. Yeah, not just the... The cost. 
the insert in the insertion. Would you think a turkey basting technique would be? No, stop. Would be technically um, test tube baby then? You you mean you put the semen into the turkey baster yeah, have and you, you seen go Jane straight the up? They, yes, I have. People do that. That's like a low cost version. It doesn't yeah. always work, but people do it. So would you consider that test tube baby? Like same sex couples will try to do that if they can't afford the official fertilization technique. Oh, okay. See, I was thinking like you legit have your own turkey based here, and you're like, "Look, we're doing this on our own." Without yeah, that's professional yeah, that's what they do. That's what they do. Yeah. Whoa! It's I thought you they get the sperm while it's still fresh, and then they put it in a turkey baster. It doesn't always work because you know sperm don't really live long outside the body, but people have tried it. I don't know if that's a, I feel like that's a concern. Although I, I understand why people would do it because of the cost, but that still feels like a concern to me. Eh, whatever works. <laughs> whatever gets the job done. I feel like done. no harm, no foul, you know? I feel like I feel a like. kind of harm, though, for why? down there. What do you mean? Because people falsely pull out all the time. It's not like it's damaging. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if a turkey baster is like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that's... I feel like how is a turkey baster different from any other foreign object somebody would put up there? It's it's pointy, I guess. I don't know. It's not pointy. Isn't it? It's like a dropper. It's point. Droppers are pointy. I know, but they're not like sharp. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but It's a huge pointer. Yeah, but it's not... Because it's like the vaginal canal, so it, it's not like it, it's gonna stab any sides of it, depending on how you insert it. If I think about it, would you feel the uh, this is getting into? I really don't know, you know, I have not tried <laughs> turkey baster fertilization <laughs> firsthand, I literally only am familiar with it because of Jane the Virgin and also the movie Baby Mama. So I really don't know how it works in pre- like practicality. <laughs> I got you. That was a, yeah, another huge tangent. I was just interested in your thoughts on other parts of pregnancy besides the actual pregnant part. I mean, it was an interesting conversation. So, like, I mean, I guess we can move on to my weird segment of the day. I don't even know, like, to be honest. Um, It's not really a segment. I just have some news to let y'all know about um so the emmys were this weekend and we have i guess paved the way in the movie industry not movie industry but like the cinematic industry um where two uh black actresses were the first to ever win an emmy and that being viola davis um her notable work that i'm familiar with I believe um is I I hidden figures I believe so if not I don't I was don't she in hidden figures I think yes and the hell I want to say I thought yeah. she I thought she was best known for how to get away with murder oh that too that too but I I know her from hidden figures who was in um, the hell Octavia Spencer Janelle Monet was it I, I don't know if she was in The Help. She was in The Help, but I don't think she was in Hidden Figures. 
was she not? We're, we're gonna look this up. She was I a know suicide she, squad. She was in How to get away with murder and the help, but uh, hidden figures is a big question mark. I don't think. Oh, she was in Suicide Squad. Okay, just kidding. Because I was like, hidden figures. I don't believe she was in. Sorry, my bad. Well, she was in Suicide Squad and How to Get Away with Murder. Um, I apologize, Viola Davis. Please don't sue me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know we have. The queen herself, um, Zendaya, who, you know, I guess you can say she, well, she is actually the youngest recipient of the Lead Actress Award um, in the drama series in the Emmys category. And a lot of people were kind of, you know, this sparked a lot of, you know, celebration within the media industry just because, you know, two amazing Black actresses got awarded an Emmy. Like, that's monumental in history. But I know this raised a lot of controversy saying how um, the whole win for Zendaya specifically was an upset win because they thought that Zendaya didn't really deserve the Emmy compared to the nominees um, who were beat out by uh, Zendaya. So, like, actresses like Jennifer Aniston, Sandra Oh, um, Jodie Comer, as well as like, you know, etc. Laura um, Lenny, I believe, or something like that. And this kind of, I guess, blew up just because, I don't know, I feel like people are pressed about Zendaya winning a Emmy. Um, and they just can't accept the fact that like, I don't, I personally haven't watched Euphoria, but Euphoria, but I feel like, you know, I wouldn't doubt her abilities as an actress um is it emmy worthy i don't know but i feel like it's time to like you know it's time to appreciate other monumental actresses um besides the one that already got multiple emmys like you know sandra oh and jennifer aniston they've won a lot of awards in the past and it's great that they have um but i feel like you know zendaya she deserves this. I don't know. What are your thoughts, both of you? I mean, I think it's, like, um, a great win because, you know, representation is always important to a lot of people. And I think what it comes down to is because she was against a lot more established and older actresses that have longer careers. So her being a young woman of color, she's more likely to get discredited for her accomplishments so I think that's unfortunate but um yeah I think that um regardless of age I think we need to start um appreciating like newer talents because I feel like these award shows tend to be like kind of rigged I really don't care for the whole entertainment award system because you know they tend to not really represent what everybody else feels in terms of like who is the best talent in the category and again, it usually tends to be like old white men that vote for these categories, but you know, they are increasing diversity in who is on the board of these award events. But yeah, I think it's like a good positive move in terms of appreciating young um, POC talent. I agree. I mean, to be honest, I'm not too much in the, the award ceremonies either but I do I do recognize um Zendaya really did put her in her effort and I think like I don't think she should be discredited for anything that she um 
I mean, like, I don't think she should have been discredited for just because of her age. I think a lot of the times um, people are like, not even just in the movie industry, just in anything like, oh, they're the youngest to do, like youngest to graduate college. And we like commend people for that. Or like there are some other fields where the, being the youngest is frowned upon for some reason. Like, oh, you don't have the experience to do that. So you're not truly worthy of that title or whatever. So it really can place a like I think we were talking about earlier, it, it can place an imposter syndrome if that is um, portrayed on them a lot. And especially as a public figure that can um, draw in negative mentality. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say positive vibes for Zendaya and congrats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think like beyond her just like acting in it, I believe she did have like some roles in directing for Euphoria or maybe producing it. So um, I do think she, like, deserves it considering how much work she has put into, like, the project that is Euphoria. And it, like, even though I myself haven't watched it, I really do know that it's, like, it's had a big impact on pop culture. You know, everybody's trying to do, like, the Euphoria makeup looks and stuff. And mm -hmm. um, it kind of is, like, almost, like, I think perhaps in the future maybe a foundational piece of media that might be representative of this period and maybe this generation. So I do think she deserves recognition in that aspect. And yeah, I really do think like we need to recognize more diverse talent in terms of the entertainment industry because, you know, for so long, it's been very limited in recognizing women of color, particularly Black women for their accomplishments in entertainment, especially like, oh yeah, somebody like Viola Davis. Like, I believe she said so herself. If she, like, she would have like the career and deserves to have the career of somebody like Meryl Streep, but she doesn't because, mm -hmm. you know, she's a dark-skinned Black woman. So um, it's good that we get to see women like this being recognized for their talents and, you know, more needs to be done in not just the entertainment industry, but like all industries in order to kind of uplift and uh, make sure that we recognize people and not discredit them for their talents because they're of a certain marginalized group. Mm -hmm. I definitely think it was, um, I completely agree with both of what you, uh, both of what Cece and Kilo said. I feel like this paves the way for a lot of younger actresses that like, hey, Zendaya was able to do it. So like, you know, it opens up a new opportunities for people to you know get influence and like you know pave the way for younger people in media to pursue these like you know a career in acting um because as uh cc said the entertainment industry especially like the movie industry is mainly like um white dominated and el like a lot of elderly are still you know getting the recognition that they're getting I completely think like you know people like Meryl Streep like she's a great um, actress and stuff and she deserves all the recognition but I think it's good to show some light um, towards a different I guess group of individuals and you know start nominating people that aren't exact like that stand out in media mm-hmm and this is, like, kind of off-topic, but, like, I guess since it's relevant, you know, how, like, the Emmy Awards were kind of, um, the format was kind of changed because of um, COVID, and they had it more, like, socially distanced, mm -hmm. and they would kind of pull people, like, pull footage from people's houses 
giving their speeches. I don't know if you guys saw, but this was like being spread around Twitter. It looked like um, like interns or whoever was working for the Emmy Awards would show up to these people's houses, the nominees' houses, with the Emmy Award. But if they didn't win, like they were a nominee, but they didn't win, uh, the intern <laughs> would just leave. That's so bizarre. And it was like really funny because like whoever it was, the intern or whatever, um, they were like in basically what looked like a hazmat suit. And then um, they just kind of like waved by and headed out with their Emmy Award. Wait, I need to see that on YouTube. That's great. Yeah. So I saw that footage and I thought it was like funny and a representation of the times that we're in. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Truly a moment in history. Yeah. At least for the movie industry. For real, though. Paving the way. But yeah, that's kind of my, I guess, um, pop culture news today. There really, there really wasn't much. I didn't pick your brains, both of you. Um, but I just wanted to draw attention that, like, you know, euphoria um, has been a hot topic in social media with all the, as Cece said, you feel like makeup, euphoria makeup. It's really, really pretty, I will say, but that surpassed my makeup techniques. <laughs> But yeah. All right. Shall we jump into some hot takes? Yes. Sounds good. Y'all, um, if you don't mind, I have a hot take that is kind of weird because I don't know actually how I feel about it, where I crave for social interaction, but at the same time, when I get too much social interaction, I think this is me on a normal basis, let's be honest here. Like, at one point, I was talking to someone, like, three different sets of people or groups of people in one day and it was exhausting but then another time at work I was just in the records room all day looking for files doing my own thing and it was peaceful at first but then I started like going slightly insane so I just need to find a happy medium and I think that happy medium is just if we go back to normal without a pandemic mm -hmm. but that's just shooting for the stars at this point we're just hoping yeah I feel that I, I remember I was, like, talking with a friend, like, the other day, and I was just, like, I don't even necessarily, like, miss, like, social interaction. Like, I do, like, miss hanging out with my friends and doing all of that, obviously, but I don't even necessarily, like, miss that part. I kind of just miss, like, existing in a space. Like, you don't even need to talk to people. It's just, like, the presence of other people. Like, I miss being able to, like, sit in a coffee shop and just kind of, like, do your business, and there's just, like, other people around. I, I yes. guess because, like, we're like social beings and even if like we're introverted just like the presence of other people brings you comfort in a sense even if it's not like direct um communication and talking with them face to face just yes. being in a space with other people makes you feel like you're alive in a sense that makes yeah because there's no in between it's either direct contact or this weird mushy i'm in hazmat suits talking to you or i'll just text to you or I'll just text you and never talk to you in person again. Mm -hmm. It's very There's purposeful. Like, purposeful yes. interaction. You just want to be able to exist and vibe. I Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. What's your Myers-Briggs personality then? Are you an E? I am not an E. I, did you think I was an E this whole time? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I, mean I thought you were an I, but like I didn't know you craved like that. I mean... 
I guess it's not crave that human interaction, but like having that just like interaction with people, I was like, maybe she's an E. I mean, introverts, it's not like they like to live in isolation, (laughs) you know? They're different degrees. Because I feel like if you're to that extent, it may be um, time to get more comfortable with social interaction. But, you know, there's varying degrees of introversion. And it's not like, oh, yeah, just like I'll be hiding in my cave, you know where to find me. Um, People still, like, you know, humans are at its core from an evolutionary point are social beings so even if they don't want to talk to people I think the presence of other people gives people comfort regardless of whether you're yes. extrovert or introvert the way I see introversion and extroversion is the recharge rate mm-hmm. and my recharge rate it depletes really fast and it takes a little bit of time to get back up yeah but I feel like extroverts they they're like constantly pumping fuel in that system they're like we're good mm-hmm. but I'm not about that life yeah yeah, I definitely agree. It's more about that that recharge type of aspect of it. It's like, oh, yeah, I do enjoy times where I get to go out and socialize, but in limited capacities and to limited degrees. And there's just times where I need to be by myself. But it's not that I yes. enjoy engaging in social interactions. Yes. CC gets me. Thank you. Me over here, like, in the cave. <laughs> Now, I think you're an extrovert. Yeah, Are I, you I kidding? Keep saying that. I think she's an extrovert. I'm really. You call not. yourself an introvert? I'm my Myers Briggs is introvert, dude. Blast. And you're like 50 50 if that's even. the case. But everyone I feel like at- it's just like you're a private person, but it's just like I, I think you, you thrive in social situations. It's just you're a more private individual. I really don't thrive in social situations, but like when I, like, so, okay. Um, at my old work every single time because I like asking my coworkers um before I would be like, What's your Myers Briggs personality? And then whenever I told people I'm an I, they're like super like no because I I was just like, I don't know, I get offended. I'm just like, Why am I an I? Everyone every single person I asked because they would ask me back, I would be like, Yeah, I'm an I and they're like, No, I would have thought you were an E and I'm like, No, I'm an I. I feel like that proves my point. It really does yeah. that. If anything, because I feel like um, how other people perceive you in social interactions is a, a more accurate determinant. So if the majority of people you're socializing with think you're an extrovert, I'm leaning more towards that's the correct assessment. But I'm an I. I mean, that's just on the <laughs> no. top. Also, I, I, I question this a lot because I feel like your Myers-Briggs personality trait is not always accurate because it's more so your own perception of yourself. So it's like, oh, you see yourself when you're by yourself. But like when you're interacting with other people, people interpret you a different way. So I feel like a more accurate assessment would be how other people generally perceive you combined with your own self-perception. Interesting. Maybe. She's out here taking personality psych without taking the class. She nailed that to the T. And it's personality okay. isn't a stable idea anyway. We are, we are very different based on <laughs> environments we're placed in. Really? I feel like, you know, when you pulled up that Myers-Briggs, like, comparison chart, we mm-hmm. weren't supposed to get along, right? Or something? Yeah, but, like, that's kind of, like, 
Vogue, like like bogus, I think. That's like horoscoping. Yeah, I think it's kind of horoscoping because I think how they do it is they they kind of do it more with the opposites attract. So it's like, oh, my most compatible. Uh, I like allegedly my most compatible are I forgot what it is, but I it was an E. Yeah, I call them like the clowns. They're like the entertaining type people. They are the most. I would not want to get get it with another eye it's like easy it's easier where I it's feel at. like i think i like an e but i don't know if i agree with the assessment that my personality type most aligns with the the e that i i believe they're called the entertainer i call them the clowns <laughs> but um i don't even know if that's true if that's what i'm most compatible with so i feel like that chart is more so very much subjective and kind of based on the opposites attract mentality interesting i feel like i i think they match me with an e as well but i feel like too like i feel like my energy would just be too much like with their yeah because you're an e i'm not because you're an e and you don't want to be with another e but i don't want to i don't know if i want to be with an i though but think about it i feel like the way you describe your ideal partner is somebody that is like more soft-spoken and will put up with what you want your shenanigans fits with the introvert type of personality i mean okay if anyone's an introvert holla at our um instagram subtle asian talks at uh at subtle asian talks and maybe we'll set you up we got we got cc with the eye kilo with the eye and nell with the eye you're in freaking get out. You're this whole past five out. minutes means nothing to you now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I think Myers Briggs is in maybe I need to retake mine. I'll retake mine and then I'll keep yes. you updated. Again, it's still built on solely your self perception. Because I feel but like maybe I question I changed. Yeah, you can change. And I feel like I question because you know, I I'd be questioning myself a lot. But um, I question a lot about, like, is my self-perception accurate to how other people perceive me? So I don't even know if it's accurate. True. How, who are we to say we know ourselves best? Yeah, exactly. I question that a lot. That was a good discussion on personality and future. Shall we jump into it? Whose hot take is up next? I guess I'll go. Okay, because I feel like every couple months on the internet, the discourse about age gap relationships always pops up. And I feel like this is my turn to step up. I have the authority to speak on this, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I did spend a quarter working on making a program about the power dynamics and how that interacts with consent. So here's my rant. So a lot of you motherfuckers out here don't understand that legality doesn't equate to morality when it comes to dating in age gaps. Like, just because somebody literally turned 18 doesn't make it okay for you to pursue them just because it's okay by the law. And it's just like, there's a lot of things that are legal, but still make you a shitty individual. Well, I will say, not all age gap relationships are inherently bad or predatory, but there's patterns. And it also depends on your age. And I think a lot of, like, I think you guys can back me up in the sense that, you know, the ages 18 to 25, 
as individuals, you're really coming into your own and figuring yourself out a lot. And even one year within that age frame, you change a lot and you grow a lot and your maturity develops a lot in just those couple of years. So I think age differences matter a lot more in that really 18 to 25 range. And I feel like, yes, like for example, like we'll talk in a college setting. Um, I think a freshman dating a college senior, that's a four year age difference, which is not always inherently bad. But if you see somebody and there are, I'm sorry, unfortunately, mostly men that have a pattern of dating freshman girls and that's where it becomes problematic because a lot of people idealize the the point that this person is naive and not exposed to the world so they can mold them into uh, their own mentality and agenda and that's where the harm comes in. So a lot of you guys on the internet are admitting that you are openly predatory because you'll be like, oh, uh, they're easy to mold. I'm like, okay, you just exposed yourself and that makes me want to call like 1-800-Kamala-Harris on you. Even though it's not technically a crime, it just really, um, it really creeps me out. Like, why are you having a pattern of targeting freshman girls when you're a senior? Like, I, I really don't see the point because I feel like I see myself and would I date uh, a college freshman, like somebody that maybe just learned how to do their laundry and still lives in the dorms? Like you're going <laughs> to pick me up to go visit you in the dorms? That doesn't sound right to me. That doesn't sound like something I would want to partake in. So for me, it really makes me question the people that do and actively seek out those type of people that are that much younger than them. So, yeah, my message Wait. to most of you who tend to be men, stop being predatory. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's okay. And I'm looking at you, Leonardo DiCaprio. I see you. Mm -hmm. I see you with your, your girlfriends that are no older than 25 at your big age. Make it stop. Wait, what is it called again when you, when you mold someone? Isn't grooming. There like yes, grooming. Grooming, that's what it is. Yes. I remember, I talked to Cece about this. Yeah, a lot of people out here are publicly admitting that they're grooming without saying the words grooming. Because they'll be like, oh, their minds are still fresh and easy to mold. I'm like, do you know how insane you sound? That's, yeah, that's literally going like, I would like a new baby because they would follow everything I do. Yeah, and watch, okay, they'll be like, oh, my mom is 35 and my dad's 40, 42. I'm like, that's not the same. <laughs> yeah. Not the same. Like, don't play dumb here. I There's a difference between a 25-year-old a dating a fresh 18-year-old versus somebody who's 30 dating somebody that's 40. Come on, don't be facetious. So we know the truth. Like, we, we can see the difference. So I really hate people thinking, like, oh, the legal age is 18. Just because it's legal doesn't mean you're not a creep. Can I – wait, sorry. This might throw us off, but have you heard of Gavin Newsom signing the – the bill that changes the sex offender law? I haven't. It legit, okay, the bill would expand the discretion currently granted, I'm reading straight off ABC7 by the way, granted judges in statutory rape cases and was prompted to as bringing fairness under the law to LGBTQ defendants apparently. The current law in place for decades permits judges to decide whether a man should be placed on California's sex offender registry 
if he had voluntary intercourse with someone 14 to 17 years old and was no more older than uh, no more than 10 years older than the person. So it goes on to speak, but there's this one person. Let me pull up their name real quick. Okay, yes. Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, Democrat San Diego, said before the bill's passage, cannot in my mind as a mother understand how sex between a 24-year-old and a 14-year-old could ever be consensual and how it cannot be even a registerable offense. We should never give up on this idea that children should be in no way subject to a predator. So Gavin Newsom out here with these radical ideas that <laughs> if you if you agree apparently and the age difference is like less than 10 years but even nine years and that that bright stage of mind of like high school or like even maybe no yeah just high school that's crazy yeah i don't think i agree with that that's that's a lot i didn't know about that i shall I send it it's a it it was a whole i thought when i first heard about it i was like no that's that's not real yeah it's I was like, uh, that doesn't sound right to me <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, and I feel like another point to add, I feel like a lot of these predators like to add, oh, like the other person consented, it's a consensual situation. And as I feel like all of us here on the pod know, um, there's a lot of power dynamics at play when it comes to consent, things like coercion and grooming can take place that will kind of cloud somebody's judgment in terms of consent. So where it may be technically consensual uh, due to the power dynamics and the social pressures in play, the person may feel uncomfortable of saying no in terms of consent. So yeah, I really don't think people are like taking it seriously in terms of recognizing the different power dynamics at play in terms of that and how it can affect consent because think about it because um like an 18 year old they're like you know fresh out of high school maybe going on to college um they probably never lived on their own before and this and that so if somebody a full adult goes after them you know there might be this like admiration like oh you're so cool and smart and responsible because like you know you're that much older so they they think that they're like in safe hands and that they know better so they assume that the older person knows better and they should listen to them so I feel like people don't really want to accept that power dynamics have such a role in consent so even if that person did say yes do they have the full capacity to do so and um, d w were there any like social pressures at play with that? So yeah, that's my message. I feel like people are really playing dumb with these age gap things. They're like, what's wrong if I'm like 18 and she's 25, but my, my mom and my dad have a 10 year age gap. I'm like, don't play dumb, don't play dumb. You just want to be creepy and not admit to it. Right. These people out here, they be, they be doing mental gymnastics to get what they want. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think, I think it has to do with, like, I don't know. Do you think it has to do with, like, society trying to, like, impact how we perceive grooming? I don't even know. Like, what started it? Maybe back then in a long, long time ago. 
I don't know. They just don't, they just want someone to agree with them, like a yes man. But instead of that, go all the way and just always be by their side. Also, like, this is and, a generalizing statement, but a lot of the time, a case these grown ass men, um, they can't pursue women their own age because they see through their bullshit. Yes, <laughs> that's true. So I feel like that that's why true. they go over for younger people because it's like oh in comparison they think oh they know so much more they're so cool whereas like women their own age see them for what they are and that is yeah like a scrub <laughs> a scrub yep well i mean i don't know what's my hot take this week um my hot take i guess don't regret life. I shoot my shot. Update on everything. I shoot my shot. I got rejected, but I was happy I did it, and I don't regret it. So, that was a fun time. That's, I mean, a hot take that has a full circle. Full circle, yeah. From I mean, the previous. Exactly. Like, you know, I I actually was so happy. I knew the outcome, but I was just like afterwards, I was so happy that I was just like, wow, I really just did that. Um, you manifested it, really- it. I know, I really did. But that that's my hot take: live life with no regrets. It's really true, and you will. It's like you got the closure you needed. Yeah, exactly. Like, how much would do you think you would have regretted if you didn't actually go through with it? Probably I'd be like, man, I regret it not asking. And then there would be all these, like, what ifs. And then I'll be like, man, that sucks. But now I'm like, I got the closure I needed. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, that, honestly, getting that rejection made me more, I guess, I don't want to say confident, but, like, more willing to, like, shoot my shot with life in general like if I want it I'm gonna go get it as um Ariana said I want it I got it so yeah sounds good awesome living life with no regrets yeah and speaking of not having regrets you'll regret it if you don't follow us <laughs> on our Instagram page at Asian Talks because Especially with all these hot topics and developing stories, you're going to want to follow us because we're going to post different infographics and all of that. So make sure you follow us on Instagram. And if you like what you're hearing and you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a five-star review. Thank you. I I love how you do these. It always never ceases to amaze me. Exactly. (laughs) It's beautiful. All All right. See you next time. A two. Bye. Bye.